and welcome to our living my my name is Noel Fogelman. I had a real fun conversation with the guys from Stroke 9. They're a California band who started late 80s, early 90s as a result of a rock band class in school. Spoke with lead singer Luke and drummer Greg, with longtime friends. They had the hit Little Black Backpack back in 1999 off the Nasty Little Thoughts album. The album was co-produced by Talking Heads' Jerry Harrison and one of the greatest producers of all time, Rupert Hine. Talk about how both those producers came about working on the album. The album was certified gold. Their follow-up, although a great album, wasn't promoted heavily. It did feature the song Kick Some Ass, which was featured in Kevin Smith's Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. It was in a montage, uh, one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Um, they're still making music. Uh, their last album, Calafrio, came out back in 2020, right before the pandemic. They kind of joke about their timing of certain albums. Uh, but they, they took a little break prior to that, and they talk about what project that Luke was working on that kind of rekindled the band a little bit. Very fun conversation. Greg is a character. Luke, super nice guy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with them. So, Luke, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're more or less out of this pandemic now you know things are almost back to normal so to speak what were like the last almost three years like for you in the band um the last three years have been interesting um i think you know we in some ways it kind of brought us back together we had a um a reconnection with eric who was our drummer who we had kind of parted ways with um maybe like I don't know, 10 years ago. And um, the pandemic just sort of made us all, uh, you know, look at each other and say, we should probably like become friends again. This is, doesn't make any sense. And, and so that was a nice, a nice uh, sort of positive. Um, We also ended up writing quite a bit of music. So that was cool. And um, we, you know, it, it forced us to, um get our little home studios set up and figure out how to share files and you know record our parts and send ideas around um and so that was that was great i mean we've we've sort of been like maybe more creative um it kind of forced us to do be creative in this new space um of of being remote and so that was cool and that carries on now because you know eric and jens are down in la and greg and john and i are up here and in uh northern california so so we have a pretty good like creative working relationship now oh there's greg yeah hi greg hi, hey, greg. hi. welcome <laughs> how's it going nice yeah. to see you both yeah uh, likewise beautiful for anyone listening or oh yeah I, yeah i have a podcast face so it's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know there's really never a good time to have a pandemic but in this like day and age, how helpful was it that we had the technology to do what you guys did? And like most of the art, other artists, whether it's like, do like what virtual concert, like I know you guys did and just like trading files, you know, working together remotely to, you know, to put together music. It's kind of funny I mean, because like, yeah, we did the one album, um, Calafrio during right. 2019. Um, and we got, ready to put it out we were excited to play it we were going to go play it as an album and hopefully do some shows and i think we released it in february of 2020 and 
that ended. And it's very similar to, um, we had an album come out um, in October, 2001. So like a month after 9-11. And right. so we're we're pretty good with our timing um, of, find, of, of putting out new music exactly when the world decides to shut down for a while. Right. So... <laughs> heaven help us if we put out another album like prepare yourself it's not going to be pretty right but um but yeah then then during the pandemic it was fun yeah and and once things shook out a little bit we got into our little pod and did it all socially distant but yeah having having the the home studios and just being able to throw ideas around on dropbox was great you know everyone's sitting around bored anyway so yeah, and I really enjoy uh, California. It's you know, it's a really, really uh, entertaining and fun album. Where, where does the, the meaning of the title come from? That was actually um, Greg, who is this guy we're looking at now, came up with, uh, we, we, we wanted to rally around, like rally the sound around a word and like a concept. And so Greg found this word or made it up, Calafrio, which means I think sort of I think I was on a, I was, I was on a, a plane coming back from New Orleans reading the in-flight magazine and it was about visiting Portugal. And it said Calafrio. And as a Portuguese word, it was like a surfer word or something. I don't remember. Then I went and tried to find the article online because <laughs> I was like, we'd remembered this word. And the article online was different than the print version, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, yeah, it's cool. It sounds like cool California, which is what yeah. we tried to do with this album. And then we did a sequel called Califuego. Right. And then what would be the third? Uh, Frio, Fuego, <laughs> what is neutral, moderate, I don't know, yeah. warm. <laughs> I thought Calafrio was warm. I thought it was like neither Calif hot nor cold, yeah. like lukewarm sort of. And then I, so, so every song, <laughs> so like every song we did, we were like, is this Calafrio? Is yeah. this, you know, is this right. Calafrio? And we'd be like, no, this isn't Calafrio. Yes, this is. And so that was kind of our like determining factor for whether the song would, would make the yeah. cut or if the, the idea for this song was like the right vibe and stuff. Yeah. So it kind of has, I mean, it's a pretty chill album. 
compared right. to I think most of our albums. So yeah, um, it's a good pool pool side. Put mm. it on, you know, yeah. have a margarita. Yeah. yeah. Who's the uh, the female vocalist on Stumbling In and Abel Archer? Her name is Elliot. I always want to say Elliot Fink, who's a guy that we went to high school. Right. <laughs> but it's a it's a woman named Elliot Peck. Yes. Okay. Um, and Greg, tell tell the people about who she is. It's pretty cool. Um, we had a club here in Northern California that was called Terrapin Station, which was um, created by Phil Lesh of the Grateful Dead. And I think it's uh, called Terrapin Crossroads. Terrapin Crossroads. Terrapin Station is the song. (laughs) Terrapin Crossroads was the club. It unfortunately closed. And so um, Phil Lesh's sons 
play there a lot. They were sort of the house band and she sings um, with them in, in that sort of scene and in some of their bands. And we heard her and we knew of her. And we honestly, like a lot of musicians that we got nowadays, we just call people, you know, and we're just <laughs> like, Hey, we like you. Will you do this? And everyone does it. Like we've had crazy success. You know, we called John Popper and we're like, will you play harmonica on a song? He's like, sure. And we called Steve Ferroni, you know, who was Tom Petty's drummer for a while. Will you play drums on a song? Yeah, sure. Like, it's crazy. Everyone just wants to play. So so we've had good success with that. And it doesn't hurt until you ask, right? They're not going to say no if you don't ask. So Yeah. It's like, do you want to just go earn some cash playing on a song that you never have to think about again (laughs) for the rest of your life? (laughs) They all seem to want to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, so, and nothing, yeah, and nothing says California like unlike Steve uh, Garvey, who played the Padres, where the Dodgers. You have the song "Son of Steve Garvey," and he has an interesting background, definitely. So, what's like the motivation for that song? Things are my way, or at least 
song was <laughs> so Jen's, um, who is our you know bass player, yeah. keyboard player, um, sort of co-writer extraordinaire. He uh, he will send some of his ideas to the band, and he'll always have sort of just a random title to the song <laughs> and you know 99% of the time that title doesn't in any way come in to play in the song right. or the lyrics um but he he sent that one up and it was the working title was son of steve garvey and i was like okay that's a, that's got i got to try to at least incorporate <laughs> that into the into a song right. that's pretty funny and I, we're not la people but it I think it turns out that that's like an actual thing because there is a there's also a Twitter account that we've discovered um, after we finished the song and yeah. we were like, there's a Twitter account called Sons of Steve Garvey. Yeah. And so I think it's sort of like these L.A. baseball fans who, you know, it's like their club or something. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but they tweet about the Dodgers a lot. And um, anyway, yeah, that's how it came about. And uh, at first it was... It was a little too, I think, on the nose lyrically for for some people in the band, and there was a lot of like back and forth, like ah, this is dumb, <laughs> this is stupid, right. we can't do this, and yeah. uh, and then and then uh, I think Greg and I were actually the main advocates for for keeping it alive, yeah, um, and kind of fighting for it, and it turned out to be a pretty fun song. Yeah, it's, it's definitely entertaining, and people who don't know his background, go you know, go Google it or something. Like, it's it's quite interesting. <laughs> Didn't didn't we didn't we hear from his wife on Instagram too that they had watched they'd yeah. heard the song or watched the little video we made or something and thought it was a hoot or I can't remember what her exact <laughs> language was but yeah, um, yeah so I think it was his current wife or one of his ex wives right I'm pretty sure it was his current wife he's got he a current wife yeah he's got quite a Wikipedia I think yeah it's interesting yeah. I think I think it's his first read. yeah his first wife I think ended up marrying marvin hamlish or something like that i yeah yeah something like that but yeah so it's always good when you're a professional athlete in your personal life section in your wikipedia is longer than your <laughs> yeah. career section right then, then you got a lot going on i think and yeah. you have especially when you're steve garvey yeah, yeah. exactly know, right <laughs> yeah yeah it's a shame like TM tmz and social media wasn't around when he was playing <laughs> oh god yeah 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 so uh, go back a few years how, how did you guys meet and form the band Oh, wow. Um, yeah, go ahead. We met in high school and um, we went to high school uh, in San Rafael, California, which is about, you know, half an hour north of the Golden Gate Bridge. And it was a small bohemian school, college preppy type school. And instead of having traditional orchestras or any other kind of bands, um, we had rock band and there was like, 25 people kids in it and we just rotate through you know there are like three drummers and six guitar players and some vocalists and stuff and so we all started coming together playing music there and then four of us were just sort of like hey this is kind of working out and we just kept doing it after high school and um and just hammered away on it but we all came together musically in school and so it was pretty pretty unique and pretty cool like Definitely, definitely the class I got the most out of in high school. That's for sure. Like, <laughs> it was it was great. I don't think it exists anymore. I don't know. Actually, they might have disbanded it. The school got pretty fancy. No, it it does exist. It's really, like a, it's a it's a big thing there now. Yeah, 
I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah, I, I know because um, I was talking to one of the administrative people there fairly recently. Um, and they were talking about how it, it is like a big thing there now. I think it's, I think that like rock band has sort of become a big thing in a lot of schools. Um, right. That's just cause it's like rock. the only way to get kids to like want to play music anymore. Yeah. Really. I think. Yeah, yeah. School of rock. Yeah. Well, and rock yeah. music is classical music basically at this point. Right. I mean, that's what we were doing. We were doing yeah. like, David Bowie and Zeppelin and like Kansas and Floyd and stuff like that. I mean, it must have sounded <laughs> horrible, but uh, <laughs> it was it was good for learning your roots and stuff like that. And uh, it was a great class. And then, yeah, then we just kept going and going and going. And um, we went and lived together for a while. You know, we reached a point where we said, is anyone seriously going to get a job? And no one raised their hand and so we all moved in together and just started writing and practicing and bought a van and drove around the the west and did that whole scene too and and eventually some people started to come see us and it was it was really cool do you remember what you guys got in the class grade wise <laughs> <laughs> Did we I have think everyone grades? got A's. They might yeah. not even had eight grades at that school. It was, right. Yeah, yeah. You you yeah. showed up, so you get the participation award. Yeah. Yeah. Or were you guys actually like musically like inclined before that class? Like you you were a singer, a guitar, you know, drummers. Do you have those roles prior to that class? I mean, I I I grew up in I, as a chorus kid. I was in the San Francisco Boys Chorus, uh, <laughs> starting at the age of eight, <laughs> and. Uh, spent uh you know a few years doing a lot of that and um and then once like my voice changed my dad was like well you you, you should really keep doing something musically and my dad played saxophone and guitar and so he's and I was like oh maybe I'll take up guitar and just kind of dabbled in in that and then got to high school and had been in some bands in grade school you know I was into it like yeah. always always liked strumming a guitar and trying to thinking I sounded okay but in retrospect when you look back it's like yeah. it mostly sounds bad but thinking you sound good in the moment is is really the key right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think all to, of us I think all of us had done stuff you know younger than high school except for our guitar player John like I think he picked up guitar his freshman year or something in a guitar yeah. class at the high school and was like, oh, uh, yeah. And so he took an entire summer and just sat in his room and learned how to play guitar so that like when the next school year came around in the rock band, he was good. <laughs> like <laughs> he was really good. And so he was just motivated. He's like, nope, I, I'm going to be a guitar player by <laughs> sheer force. And it worked out. He's a really good guitar player, I guess. I don't really listen. I turn him off in my monitors <laughs> and stuff like that. But people say he's really good. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Were you, Luke, were you writing your own songs then? Like, when did you first, like, start writing and, like, performing them? Yeah, I mean, I, I started writing songs pretty early, I think, in uh, sixth grade. I remember writing some songs and basically right when I started learning how to play the guitar, um, I started trying to write songs and, you know, just always kind of liked I'm not, I'm not, I don't fancy myself as a great guitar player. I think I just use it more as like a vessel to strum and write some songs and stuff. So, 
What was the first song you wrote? What would it be? Would you even know? <laughs> I think it was probably, I want to say Wild might be the first song, which is on a Boy Meets Girl, which is an album that makes us sound very, very young. I discovered you guys in college. I worked at the radio station in uh, Buffalo State and I was doing sports updates. And I would get there early, just kind of, you know, go through the CDs and I discovered Bumper to Bumper. Someone had a copy of that. Great so, album. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And they had, because um, the cover, the cover drew me. And if you have a really cool cover, I think that's obviously the first thing you see if you don't know the music. So the cover was cool. And I, went through to listen to it and they had you guys had an early version of little black backpack on it which um everyone knows is your signature song so when you guys got signed to universal was that a point to bring that song to um nasty little thought like was that universal's idea producers who we'll get to in a second but whose idea was it to bring that song to that album See it now. 
can What about that don't you understand And I sense you It's something sensual But it's less than I planned Don't wanna, don't wanna talk about it Yeah, so I mean that was the record deal. Was kind of was okay. was backpack. Awesome. Like I can't believe. I wonder how Bumper made it out to Buffalo. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, and we also because we made that thing ourselves. Well, with right. our friend Wayne Locko helped us out. Who he went on to be at Sony, but we did it all independently and stuff. And we sold and or gave away and or gave away maybe five hundred. And we told the record company that we sold like. 200,000 or something like that like just <laughs> yeah. completely made up these crazy right. numbers We're like yeah we've sold hundreds of thousands of our independent yeah. release but um but backpack for some reason always you know like just resonated with people and so that was sort of what got us and people paying attention was backpack and it did really well in the clubs and that version that version i think has the fast bridge right and so we had done that what, what what's the bridge on the bumper back i don't, I don't no, remember i think that you're thinking of the live there's like a live recording of it somewhere but there's the one the version bridge. we i mean we worked on it with a lot of different producers because we did we went and worked on it with phil steer who was oh, yeah. in um what was his famous band is uh i can't think about it but he owned a studio called toast that was the former coast in San Francisco. We went in and worked with him and, and worked on backpack for a while and it was okay. And then we eventually got with Jerry Harrison right. for 
nasty little thoughts and it became the the final version it was always the bridge like the the verse and the chorus were almost the same from the first day we wrote it like nothing changed the bridge we could never figure out because it has that weird time signature change it goes from six eight to four four and we're like where are we going to go back to six eight what are we going to do and we're like like it just stay in four four and ride that puppy out until the end of the song so <laughs> yeah but backpack it was always kind of backpack yeah 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 that album you guys like you mentioned jerry harrison from talking heads and rupert hind who's you know a great producer there as as well yeah now did you like did you know of them when they the record i guess record company said or did you guys pick them or did they pick you we um well we had like a list the labels will ask you like who do you want to work with right you know and and we had a list and jerry was I think at the top of the list or close to the top of the list, we always, we always liked um, everything that we had heard and just the sounds that he was getting at the time were, were really amazing. And he has this incredible engineer named Carl Durfler who he was working with at the time. And, you know, they had done um, like the crash test dummies album um, and live, you know, um, and Bogman. what else? The bog, the bog, oh, the bog was Man. a big album, album for yeah. us. Yeah. And he like produced, um, I think the freshman uh, that like he came right. in and yeah. did a song with with uh, Verve Pipe, and that was the song. And so everything that he was kind of working on, we we're like, wow, this sounds so good. And and so he was at the top of our list, but he was busy uh, and could only squeeze us in for six songs. Oh wow! And so yeah, and so the label was like, okay, let's do these six songs. We had like a bunch of songs. We played them all for Jerry, and he picked kind of the six he wanted to work on. And then we had to finish the record. And I think that uh, our A&R person had a connection with Rupert. And okay. we, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the fix. Like yeah. those records are kind of, I, those are some records I listened to probably more than any other when I was younger. And, um, and so once, you know, I was like, oh, we got to do that. And, and Howard Jones, of course, and, yeah. you know, he worked with Tina Turner. He's, the, he's awesome. And he was just a really funny dude and uh, interesting. And uh, and so we met him and it was great. And and yeah, so we had like this sort of two two working experiences, which made it really fun. Um, and we could kind of approach each half with a different energy, which is cool. Yeah. Rupert brought an amazing engineer with him too, Rory Kushner. Oh, yeah. Who has now gone on to do... Ed Sheeran, I don't know if you've heard yeah. of him, and yeah. he did the Mumford Brothers. What are they called? Mumford. Mumford and Son. Mrs. Mrs. Mumford's children. Yeah, um, yeah. So he's like, and he he mixed a few of our songs on. Like every once in a while, we'll ping him. We're like, "Will you mix this song?" Yeah. And two months later, he'll get back to us and he'll say, "I'm still <laughs> super busy." We'll be like, "Okay," and then. He wants to charge us in pounds and we have <laughs> dollars to pounds. It's a real pain. But no, he's great. And um, it's cool. We've had a relationship with him for however many years it's been now, 30 years. Right. So, yeah. yeah. At least somebody went on to huge <laughs> yeah. stardom in the group. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah, in spite of working with you, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Were you guys like surprised about the success of that song and the album? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that like we, obviously I think any 
person who does something creative and it ends up, you know, getting like some sort of mass acceptance and popularity is surprised, but, but, and we, and, and probably has hope, you know, unless you're like a true artist and you're just like, no, that's the worst <laughs> possible thing that can happen. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we fancied ourselves. At, I think we, we always dreamt as a lot of bands do of just like, yeah, getting a song on the radio and hearing your own song on the radio. And that was kind of where I think it ended for us. We didn't really have any idea that, um, it would continue to go on just based on sort of this one song. And, um, and here we are like, you know, 30 years later, however many years, and we're still kind of, it's still an important part of our lives and um, we still get to have a lot of fun with it. But yeah, we were, I was shocked. I don't know about you, Greg. I mean, I, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, also we, we were also lucky because we got to be part of the machine at the very tail end of the machine. Like the, yeah. the things at that point that the record labels were doing to make songs national hits was, it was wild. Like just, just how much was going into it. Like I don't really pay attention now to what record labels do or even how a song comes into my world, but you know, there was no, obviously no YouTube and no social media in any capacity. There was no sharing of music beyond the radio and, and, and MTV, which was certainly a next level up, but um, you know, uh, we just lucked out and, and there are bands that are friends bands or local bands or people that were getting started right at the same time as us that just didn't get that little click. And, and so all the things worked out for us that we got to to have a one hit wonder moment. I mean, you could argue there were two hits on that album, right. but we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna <laughs> we're none. not gonna go back and, and we're not yeah. gonna go or none. But um, yeah, so it was fun. But um, no, it was it was a shock. Like w there were times when we would pull. I mean, we got to open up for Oasis, you know, mm. in Philadelphia, and we're like, what? Like this is <laughs> insane. I mean, it wasn't just Oasis. It was Oasis. Foo Fighters, Beck, and M Moby. Moby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and us opening that show. And we're like, well, this is interesting. <laughs> you know, and like, and it was, it was, it was wild. It was a wild time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw you guys twice in New York. Once was, I think it was Irving Plaza in New York City. I think it was, that, and then one on Long Island. So it was, you know, quite, quite some time ago when you guys, you know, both put on you know great shows but how how different was like making your first two albums compared to making national authorities when you had like a big record company behind it and just like deadlines and everything like that people breathing down your back what were you how long did it take to get used to that it was that part to me was like the total dream because you know we'd been like we literally recorded bumper to bumper you know with like two microphones and we were sitting outside in the cold you know on a deck and just like figuring out how to record and stuff and it it's it ended up sounding okay and then on that album we paid um a couple kids who were literally like i think they were like 16 or 18 when we were working with them who were like interns at the plant uh which is a recording or was a recording studio in marin and uh they mixed the album kind of in their off time and you know we paid them a little bit of money it was like hardly anything and they did a decent job made it sound okay and then like you know 
when we got signed and got to go work with Jerry and like we went into the plant as like paying customers at the plant and it was it was just everything you would dream about. I mean, there was like whatever food you wanted, you know, um, we were just like picking back in the big studio on the giant plush couch and people coming in and, you know, doing their thing and listening. There were multiple engineers working to like get our shit to sound right and good. And Jerry was like sleeping on the couch, you know, in the back and he'd wake up once in a while and, and be like, Oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. Um, and, uh, um, you know, it was, it was incredible. And we spent, uh, the other part is like, we got to spend, I think, what, two months at this crazy house that they rented for us up on the coast in this little town called Gualala, like literally overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And we'd spend all day just like trying to write songs, even though we had backpack as, as that was sort of in the can. And then we tried to write, you know, all these other songs and, and, I don't know if we actually got any songs out of that session. I think I think we got Tale of the Sun maybe out of that. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And then and then maybe letters? I don't know. But we were also like they were trying to put us in movies. Like we that's when we went down and did Ed TV with Ronna right. in San Francisco and stuff. And so it was just wow. But to be clear, you know, I found it the other day. We have an itemized bill for that entire album. And like all the waters yeah. and the food and the sandwiches are line items on our <laughs> bill. And like, and it's at the end, it's like $1.5 million or something like that. And that's, that doesn't include promotion. That's just right. like the creation of the album, which is so <laughs> funny. And we probably paid back, you know, 50,000, whatever their accounting is. But I, I have, I wish I had it right here. I, I think it's storage, but it's literally everything. And when, and when the, the label would be like, you know, if we were playing in New York or something, they're like, we're going to fly out, you know, to see you guys. Like they, you know, the show's on Friday. They tell us on Thursday, we're like, yeah, cool. It'd be great to see yeah. you. And then it shows up two first class yeah, tickets, for that, Los yeah. Angeles to New York. And we're like, right. well, wait, we didn't ask you to come out. Like you said, you're yeah. coming and we're paying for it. Yeah. And we're paying for the sushi dinner that you're taking us out to in Manhattan before that. Well, okay. Fuck. You know, who cares? Yeah. This, we're never paying this back. So we might as well goose it as much as we can yeah. that'd be awesome if they came after us now <laughs> you guys still owe us a million dollars you know for the first album the second album is even more uh, Some let, let alone the video oh my god yeah like i don't think the video bills on there either that was a million dollars jeez yeah. it was it was insanity like there were things we'd hear rumblings of the one i tell a lot is Santa Rosa is a town here in Sonoma County in Northern California. It's not very big. It's like the hundredth market in the, in the country or something like that. And allegedly we gave that program director a signed Eric Clapton guitar to get the song on the radio. Like, Jeez. so if we were doing that in Santa Rosa, imagine what we were doing yeah. in K-Rock and right. Live 105 and whatever, I, you know, the Philly one. Oh my God, the guy in Philly, we must've built him a house or something like that. <laughs> 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 there's a lot going on behind the scenes i'm there's sure there's a lot right. it's there still is i mean it's i don't think it's actually changed that much in terms of that type of stuff it, um, it was just little stuff like that it's like you're playing a radio festival and it's like oh cool and it's like the record label rents the room and the stage and the yeah. pa and flies all <laughs> the, the radio station just puts up a banner right that's all they do <laughs> and like their little gives out stickers and everything else is the record labels paying for all yeah. that stuff i was like 
Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Huh? Radio stations don't really make a ton of money. You oh. were in radio, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it funny now, like you guys, you put out albums, I'm assuming independently like on maybe your own label, where now it's a little payout. You do twice as much work. You get your own promotions, own merch. It's, it's kind of funny how the industry has changed so much in that regard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's awesome now. Like, I guess, like, it, I, I don't know, <laughs> someone who was trying to make it, not that we had careers, but we made enough money while we were doing it to, right. to be alive. And like, if now, if you were trying to do that, I don't know, there's mm-hmm. all these awesome distribution channels and like, we just make it and we use DistroKid and it uploads it to every streaming service and you don't really have to think about it. And then the promotion if you were good at social media, I'm sure that helped. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not. We do one Instagram post and that's our marketing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like you would do a TikTok yeah. or a YouTube channel or a Twitch yeah. stream. But like if you were motivated to do that, it seems obviously it's working out for some people. They're all 30 years younger than we are. But, um, oh, so, you know, it's, I, I guess it's better for artists now that's completely in your control and, you you win or lose all on your own as opposed to you know we can always sit around and gripe oh the label didn't they didn't push the second single and our a and r got fired or the president of the company changed and that's why all our failures happened and we've had those conversations our manager sucked and all that or nine eleven or the pandemic or nine eleven or the pandemic or you know they chose the Afroman single as the lead for Jane Silent Paul strike back and not kick some ass like that hurt no I'm just kidding um and so uh so so it's cool. Like, I guess it, if we really tried, we could probably get people to realize that we're not dead yet. But <laughs> at this point, we're just sort of doing it for ourselves. And we were lucky to have, you know, a, made some fans early in our career that are still interested in us a little bit. And and we have a one to one relationship with them. And and so we can get in touch with them going out and reaching a wider audience at this point in our lives whew, sounds tiring, yeah. but yeah, it's hard. Yeah. 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 Cause I was talking with Luke before, you know, we started how like, I would love to see you guys come to New York, but obviously monetarily it just, you know, it doesn't work out for you guys now. And, but I mean, I guess it's good that you guys can actually perform a concert on YouTube to, to get kind of a wider audience. I mean, it's not the same, but it's, at least it's something it's, it shows that you guys are still out there and, you know, making music. Yeah, that's yeah, one we thing. We should probably I'm sad. broadcast our like one of our next shows. That Those were idea. so cool. Those and when everyone was doing their little concerts during the pandemic, yeah. that was that was pretty awesome. Like it's it's a shame. I understand there's no money in that for the real working bands and stuff like that, right. but it's a shame we all sort of lost that thing. It was it was cool and, and watching other people and then doing it ourselves. I mean, everyone was at home, so everyone was really starved. Mm-hmm. Everyone's back out now, but. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we might as well. Let's throw your phone <laughs> up in the back corner. <laughs> Bring your charger. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do you remember where you guys were when you first heard Little Black Backpack on the radio? Uh, Yeah, I do. Do you, Luke? I do. I, I think I was with you. Well, no, I shouldn't say the first time we heard it. It was the first time I remember when it was first like, oh, this thing's working out. Was yeah, tell that because that was good. Yeah, I mean, so it was done, and 
you know, it, it, it had been around for a while, but it was finally done on the universal release on, on Nasty Little Thoughts. And it had gone out as a single before the album. And Luke, John, and I were at a Flaming Lips show at the Fillmore in San Francisco. And Live 105 was the radio station, and they had the most request of the day show. It was at, probably at 9 p.m. or maybe 10 p.m. or something like that. And Aaron Axelson, who was the DJ, would uh, count down the top requests of the day. And so we left the show and went out and sat in Luke's car to listen to the radio because we knew we'd been we'd been in the hunt a little bit. And it was us versus Nookie for like a week or something like that. And like that night we beat Nookie, like Nookie came on as number two. Like here's our second most requested song of the right. day. And we're like, ah! like it has to be us. It's only us. And it was us. And it was, it was rad. Like we're like, we beat Nookie. Like it was, it was in our hometown, which never really loved us that much. San Francisco okay. was okay for us, but it wasn't right. ever our best city. And so it was, a, it was a great night. That was, that was a good one. Mm. And then Nookie took it back the next day. Right. And then <laughs> and, was, the next, and had the it. next 10 years. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was like the most rest, requested song on Live 105 in history. Right. But for one <laughs> glorious night, it was us. That's, that's funny. And I should say that's Limp Biscuits version of Nookie, not any of the other, not any of the other covers <laughs> or anything right. else. Derivative yeah. works that have happened since then. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you mentioned covers and that's a, it's a good segue. I love chill covers. From the shisha i love that album oh uh, thanks yeah <laughs> how did that come about was it was that just you luke or did, were you on that as well Greg? yeah that was just me i had moved away from the bay area well an hour. i had moved up to sebastopol california which is in sonoma county it's like an hour north of san francisco um and i lived on this little uh, plot of land and we had a i had a little she shed you know a little <laughs> man shed there and um, I was super bored and I was trying to sort of inspire myself to work on music more frequently because we had not been really doing much. And so the idea was to just force myself to record a song every single day, um, cover song, just because it was easier than trying to write a song and, and then just to release it no matter what. Um, and, and so I did that. I think I, I don't remember how many songs there are, but I think it's like 25 or 30 days. So I did every, every day I'd go out there at night, you know, usually I'd have a few cocktails or beers and right. go out there and, uh, and just pick a song that I loved and try to learn it and try to record it. And, you know, like there's, you could definitely like, it doesn't sound great. Some of them sound better than others. Um, the, the, the performances aren't great um the recordings definitely aren't great but it has a vibe and yeah, absolutely. it is very mellow and it is very chill and and that was kind of what i was going for um but yeah it was just like a project and and it did kind of spark uh like re reinvigorate i think me and and the guys maybe i think shortly thereafter we started working on calafrio um or maybe it was like concurrently i don't remember but um it was good to just like be doing something you know with music rather than just not not doing anything yeah what was the hardest one to like cover and do you think you nailed um, it i don't know like i i listened to it i don't know maybe like a month 
ago just to revisit it and some of them I'm pretty proud of and some of them I'm like oh my god I gotta get this thing off the internet like this is so bad <laughs> or like go in and try to make it sound better or like right. in tune yeah but like the, I think the there's the I did like a Prince one um break what's it called you're breaking me down that one she, you keep breaking me down that one and it's like entirely in falsetto a very high falsetto and uh, that one, and then the the Dave Matthews one that I did. Um, those two were were pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, they, they were all they were all pretty tough for me because yeah. I'm not like the greatest guitar player. I was trying to just kind of make them my own in a way, and a couple of them I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then let's just I was actually considering the other day of just deleting the whole thing and trying trying again, yeah. um, but whatever just leave it yeah no i mean you had some i mean like oh, give me sympathy i, I love metric so i, I that, oh. that, yeah so that, that's that, one of the, my favorite ones get hot get too close to the flame wild open space talk like an open book sign me up got no time to take a picture Someday, all the chances we took were so close to something better left unknown. We're so close to something better left unknown. I can feel it in my bones. Give me sympathy after all this is gone. Chances we took We're so close Something better left unknown We're so close To something better left unknown I can feel it in my bones Give me sympathy After all this is gone Who would you rather be The Beatles or the Rolling Stones Mistakes you young Come on baby play me something Like here comes the sun Give me sympathy After all this is gone Who'd you rather be The Beatles or the Rolling Stones Oh seriously You're gonna make mistakes you young Play me something like here comes the sun. Come on, baby, play me something like here comes the sun. Yeah, I, I love that one. So yeah. it was it was really good. And there is a light, and never goes out. One of my favorite songs. And it's like, how dare you cover it? But I, I think you you did a pretty good job on that one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I think the Oasis one might be oh, the don't worst. Act. Yeah, don't look back. In it. I feel like I'm totally out of tune in that one. Right. I mean, I'm out of tune in most of them, but like, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of egregiously out of tune. And there's one other that is pretty bad. But yeah, the metric one, I've, yeah, that one, thank you for saying that. That's, so that was yeah. one of my favorites too, but not many people appreciated that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's good to know that yeah. you did. Okay. <laughs> Greg, person. yeah, when you heard that, what did you think about the album? I just put it on in the background while I was cleaning my house and it's, it sounds great. It's, it's like, I don't think Greg's ever heard it. I've, I've heard parts of it. It's a lot of music. It's a lot of music to get through, but um, yeah, no, that, that did, you are correct. That once you started playing again, you're like, okay, I want to make our own stuff. And that was the, the push. I mean, Luke pushed us into recording Calafrio recording again. And, and I, you also put us on the, like, let's try to, do songs faster and um we did we were on a pretty good clip for a while even last year we were doing i mean we put out still like six songs last yeah. year or something like that and and uh we have four just sitting there we, we've hit a we've hit a bit of a stall but we have four that are sitting there three or four and we're kind of what are we doing? <laughs> I guess we're well, kind of waiting for a producer. Uh, we, we started working with Michael Urbano a little bit, and we're hoping that he can help us and produce the songs. We, we haven't worked with a producer in a long time. Right. And so we're like, hey, let's get somebody else in the mix, you know, and, and see if they have any ideas or what they think our strengths are. And he's very busy. Michael Urbano is a very very famous drummer and we've had him on a couple songs last year we had him on two songs run around the sun he played on big, and big choruses on... oh yeah big choruses and then he's on that other one but did we put it out uh that one's not out yeah okay but anyway we, we have like, like a little batch sitting there but yeah. yeah yeah so he was like michael urbano played drums probably most famously in smash mouth for a long time but, you know, he's just, he was on the first Third Eye Blind album. Mm. You know, he played like on the Black Lab album, like around here in San Francisco, he was in this band called The Kinetics. And he's been on a lot of stuff you've heard. Played and in like Cracker and like he played on, yeah. on uh, Tuesday Bourgeois. Night Music Club, I think. Okay. He was in Bourgeois Tag. No, that's uh, Bogus, I think. I don't know, maybe he did. Like, um, but anyway, yeah. And so he, right now he just finished touring with Lindsey Buckingham. Mm. And so um, next month, we're going to hopefully work on songs with him and go into the studio and he'll, we'll actually do it like we used to do it. Because right. we did all that stuff of, of sending files around down to LA and even within, you know, the neighborhood up here. And a lot of those songs we realized that we wrote last year we don't know if we can play them live. <laughs> and, and, and then when we did get in to try to play a couple live, they, they changed a lot. And we're like, oh, this is kind of what the song actually is. Like we recorded it in all the parts and mixed it. And we're like, yeah, this song sounds good. And then we, we got together, we played two or three shows last year. And, um, and a couple of um, like the one called Lake, uh, became really this sort of like more very rocking uh almost like a violent femmes type song which it always had a potential to do but when we started playing it live it was even more so that 
And Urbano had actually caught on to that. He's like, this sounds like a Violent Femmes song. And we're like, oh, that's neat. And then when we actually played it live, we're like, oh, it really is. And so we think that there might be a benefit to us getting in the room together and actually playing <laughs> songs before recording them. Um, and so that's 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 where we're at right now in, in making new music. And it's fun. It's exciting. I mean, we're lucky that we get to hook up with such a great drummer. He's just rad. And he has great stories, too. Mm-hmm. Is is your plan to keep just releasing singles as you complete them or just eventually just come out with like a full length album? I think yeah. that I mean I keep saying that songs are like tweets now. Like you just have to like like they're literally just disposable, you know, mm-hmm. little things and you just have to keep right. putting them out. And that's how you get like get into the algorithm. And we actually so one of the things we were trying to do was just experiment with like Spotify's algorithm a little bit. And and mm-hmm. when you do start releasing a song, you know, every couple months, like you're, they, they definitely yeah. get your music out in front of more listeners mm-hmm. and put it into more, you know, of whatever, like the release radar and all of their little playlists and stuff. And so we had gotten our, our listenership up quite a bit and then we stopped doing it and now it's kind of back down to where it was, but which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and so it's sort of just about like, you know, I think just like Greg said, like just putting stuff out faster, not being so precious about it. And just, yeah. and then if like, if you did happen to have a song that like caught on and got, went viral and you wanted to re-record it, like, sure, you can do that. Right. Um, but it's, 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 it's unlikely that the recording of the song is the thing that's, you know, holding it back. I mean, if you come out with like a really hooky catchy idea that took off on tiktok or something which i don't think is going to happen to us but (laughs) um you know if it did and we were like unhappy with the mix it's like okay you go back and you whatever you deal with that that's like a really nice problem to have to deal with um and you can just like test drive stuff now it's like you throw a song out on spotify and if if all of a sudden it gets a hundred thousand spins and you're like okay people like this you know and like then you know yeah so but yes i don't know if we're going to put out a full album but you can also like release a bunch of singles take them all off spotify and then just dump it out as an album because spotify likes to see a song come out okay yeah if you drop a whole album then they're really going to just put you in the mix for the same amount of time as if you dropped a song okay um yeah so it's better to just kind of drop the songs one at a time i think yeah, I mean, we, with Calafrio, which was, you know, three years ago now already, but we we made it an album and like we hemmed and hawed about like at, like the mix on track nine and like the sequence and all this stuff and the artwork and made it into a full package. And then we put it out and it was like, eh, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> you know, the first four songs got listened and like one in the middle and then the rest of it was sort of, it was just too much for people, I think. It's like, no one wants to sit down and listen to now, a man. nine, ten song, stroke nine album in their this day and age. So, yeah, so then it, now it's just sort of like, yeah, let's just drop them out. Like, who yeah. cares? And and it shows up in people's uh, feed, they give it a spin, and then they move on with their lives. Well, one, one strategy, I think, for us was also, <laughs> like, to make the album so mellow that hopefully the listener would fall asleep and then not not wake up until the whole album had played through. (laughs) Then it goes into, and hopefully we get into the radio that happens afterwards and it just goes through our whole catalog. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, if we don't want to wake up with any, 
any of the bang bang stuff. Yeah. If two million people do that, we'll make twelve cents. Yeah, so that's true. It's, it's <laughs> a it's a great business. Win win. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. How much did like it help like being in like Jay and Silent Bob at, at TV and having the TV shows like click kick some ass? Like how important was that for you guys to have that song feature in the movie? Being in TV, how much did that guys kind of like help you be recognized more or just get your name out there? How, how much did it help? How many people want to kick some ass? I used to be a nerd, grew up in the suburbs. Nothing there ever went wrong. I made it up in this song. Talk about the hood. I say stuff like it's all good. Tell people I'm down with all the cool kids downtown. When I've never even been there. How many people wanna kick some ass? I do, I do. And how many people stick a hole in it?
Ed TV did not help us at all. Okay. But it was no. fun. It was a great, it was, I mean, we got to meet Ron Howard, like, yeah. and McConaughey. I mean, like, he was right. in character, off, like, walking around <laughs> with his, with, like, a beer and a koozie all the time. Right. And, like, he was killer. Um, I think Jane Silent Bob's the one that's had the most longevity and the most, right. I mean, people still bring that up, like, at least on social media, like, anytime there's a that threat scene. about it, people... Yeah. That scene yeah. in a song, and they're like, "Oh, I remember those guys from Jay and Silent Bob," and it's like, "That yeah. was awesome," and that was kind of out of nowhere. Like, I'm sure there was someone handed him the song, but he was very receptive to to doing it. So that one helped. Um, the other day, and we had a song on an episode there, and and he sent us a video of like when they got there it was all very exciting in their household and so that that was really cool and um and then scrubs we had one uh yeah. do it again was actually in scrubs and that's a pretty legit one too there's a lot of scrubs fans out there and they yeah. like feature a song you know for each episode right. and that was the one for that episode so but in terms of like helping us in our career i i don't know yeah. I mean, the only one that probably did was Jay and Silent Bob a little bit. Yeah. And we got to hang out with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes for like a half a day in New Jersey because awesome. uh, we had to fly out there to do the video because Jason couldn't leave the state. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He couldn't even like leave the county or something right. like that. Like, yeah. It was hilarious. That was pretty rad. I was so they like had to bring that. all this, all this stuff to some little whatever town we were in in jersey yeah. i can't remember the name of the town but it was, we stayed in new york and they were like okay we're driving yeah. across the state line to go to do it here because jason can't yeah. leave the <laughs> grade that's that's too funny yeah yeah <laughs> yeah now i loved um last of the international playboys i really love that album um and you guys actually had a you know long break you know between albums what like what what were you guys up to during that time um so that one we weren't up to a lot i think like greg had maybe were you in the did you take a little hiatus at that point were you i, think I was the on, band then? I, don't I was i was on sabbatical yeah <laughs> then i <laughs> went to go get health insurance and have a baby and stuff like that and so i i was out yeah. so i cannot help answer any questions about that album this is all yeah you. that i mean that was that one really um was when we kind of uh, connected the most or kind of early on with Jens, who was the bass player in this band called Monkafust that we used to play with a lot uh, in, they, they were a pretty popular band uh, out of like LA and they played in Santa Barbara a lot. And, and we played with them quite a bit and became good friends with them. And then it, uh, when Greg, I think went on his sabbatical, Jens joined the band <laughs> And Jens is an incredible songwriter, incredible musician. Like he's far and away the best musician in the band at this point. Oh, yeah. And um, and so he started bringing all these ideas, uh, tracks, you know, to to us and sending them around and saying like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And and a lot of those songs actually were his creations. I think in their entirety, like some of them, he wrote the lyrics and uh and everything and so i don't remember exactly which ones i think it was sort of like half and half but but he really like drove us to create that one um and eric played on that one as well on drums 
gosh, it's been so long. I can't even remember what year that was. I want to say like, like I, don't Stitch, know. I think. Something like yeah, that. I was going to say a seven. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, but yeah, those tunes are great. And I remember we we um, started touring a little bit more after we put that out. And we had some good shows like where we would play those songs live and we got really super motivated and then kind of stopped. <laughs> forgot how to play them and <laughs> didn't ever play them again but like there's some there's some really fun tracks on there so thank you for bringing that one up but yeah that that was a lot of fun well the van also burned down around that time too didn't that put yes. a damper on touring yeah the band was parked in atlanta in a storage um space and we called to check on it and the guy there said that it had spontaneously combusted and burned down to the ground <laughs> with, all, with our gear in it Oh, no. So, you know, that put definitely put a damper on our ability to <laughs> I bet it's Yeah. It went California, right? <laughs> it, it did. Yes, it, it did. It went yeah. Cali whatever. Yeah. Cali something. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great band. Much it was a great band the, though. Well, the best thing is that like none of us actually questioned the potential for it to actually spontaneously combust. <laughs> right. As ridiculous as it sounds, like the van was in such shape that it, it's possible that that guy wasn't lying, although <laughs> it, was a, it was a it was a fire department ambulance. And so it had this crazy electrical system and had like five batteries and weird inverters. And like it was a disaster. And the batteries were always remember, they were always overheating and steaming and like corroded. And like, yeah. Oh, my God. So, yes did someone just steal the did he just steal the van entirely possible <laughs> Probably, yeah. but did it actually burn down also equally plausible yeah. i'm just so sad it had that rad elvis tapestry on the wall yeah. inside that's that was a tragedy to lose that thing yeah. <laughs> and eric also um worked at when we when we first started <laughs> playing with eric he worked at this car stereo store in san francisco and like we Got a pretty good deal on um, a car stereo system from from him that uh, was just ridiculous. We had one of those like you know four foot long yeah. uh, speaker subwoofer things that was right. like and and Eric just like completely dialed it in. Everything was like flush mounted in there and this just ridiculous speaker system and and amp system and so that. <laughs> That could have that, that might have affected yeah. the guy's um, yeah. story a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, uh, I'm sure you guys uh, didn't have any insurance then, right? <laughs> definitely not. No, no insurance. We had like that. we kill somebody insurance. That's the only insurance oh, okay. we had. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's too funny, but well, I, it's funny. And uh, that was uh, that's another story we were talking about the other day. Yeah. Is when we were going, we're so dumb. When we were going out for record <laughs> deals, right? And we were going around to the labels. That was the number one thing. People were like, so, you know, what do you guys want for oh, your yeah. deal? And people, some, I'm sure some bands are like, we want a $100,000 bonus or we yeah. want you to build us a studio. We're like, we want a new engine for our ambulance. <laughs> and like, that was the, that was always in every meeting that would be the first thing they're like what are you guys looking for out of a label we're like we're looking for someone who will rebuild our ambulance and they must have thought we were just the biggest rubes like in the world it's <laughs> like oh my god we're gonna take advantage of these that's all they need yeah. like, so so sad 
Great oh. ambulance. Yeah. Well, yeah. You guys have a benefit show to uh, buy a new, yeah. new ambulance. You know, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. We were going to do a show yeah. in a in a month, and we were it's going to be a benefit show, and then mm-hmm. we we were kind of arguing about who we wanted it to benefit, and we we're like, yeah. well, we should just like pick some somebody you know locally who's having a problem and like give it to their GoFundMe, and then I think. And then we were like, well, we should just raffle the money off at the show to somebody at the show and make it like benefit that person who came to the show. And then Greg was saying we should just get like one of those cash cannons and just shoot shoot whatever money we make into the crowd and people could, or like one of those things where you try to grab all the cash and it's blowing around, get a bubble and have someone do that and film it. That could be fun. Yeah. All those, all those are great ideas. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. It's going to. It's going to be probably like $150. So we're not talking a lot yeah. about a lot of money, but right. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it takes to avoid getting a tax 1099 next year yeah. for $30. Stroke yeah. Nine, <laughs> nine touring Inc. Right. Or LLC or whatever we are. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. But I, I appreciate your time guys. This was fantastic. Uh, best of luck moving forward. And I'll uh, definitely be watching you guys. Yep, thanks, thanks all. I really appreciate it. We'll see you in New York. And a special thanks to Luke and Greg for joining me today. You can follow them on Twitter at Stroke9. Their website is Stroke9.com. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at TheFirstMall19. Or like the page where you want to use on Facebook. You can go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Just on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, basically, wherever you can find a podcast. A new episode comes out every week. Stay safe, everybody. See you then.